Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Yes, welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast. Trevor Long with you alongside Connor McNally, Harry Tucker. This is the Miami Formula One Grand Prix. Uh, an absolute spectacle, I've got to say. We'll talk a fair bit about that, I think, because it's kind of a a fascinating dissection of where Formula One's going under Liberty Media and the and the US insurgents. Uh, but we have to kick off the night by talking about the race. Uh, Connor McNally, KO Mini or uh, highlights or full race for you, buddy? I think you'd have to go either the KO Mini if you're willing to sit through it or just go with the highlights. In my opinion, I'd just go for the highlights. That's, that's what my I choice. Do. I've got something. I'm going to throw an extra one in there. I'm going to say to you that, you know, skip forward 10 minutes into this show, find out what the general theme of things is, and then just go and watch the last 15 laps. Um, that'll probably make you oh, – I actually think that's what Miami's going to remember is the last 15 laps. It's one of those kind of mm. uh, moments where you kind of forget how completely and utterly boring the first half of the race was or more. Uh, kind of like Harry. Um, do you kind of forget how boring it was, mate? <laughs> <laughs> So I made it to lap four and then got woken up again like 10 minutes before we recorded this. So I've seen four laps. Wow. Um, oh, wow. Thanks for your dedication. Thanks very much for your dedication to the show. Um, that's brilliant. Really, really good stuff. But by the sounds of it, I didn't miss much. You pretty much nailed that, You didn't buddy. miss you much at all. Um, I think it's we, almost poetic. We do it all thanks to the great people at KO, and KO is how Harry is now going to uh, watch the whole race again. Uh, that's his punishment. His punishment is lap four through lap 50 uh, on full volume with no distractions, no work computer. You have to do this tonight instead of whatever Netflix or whatever you're going to watch. Uh, that's oh, what you have to do. Um, KO obviously has all the great sport you could ever love and want, uh, you know, supercars, Formula One. They've got it all, uh, as well as obviously the NRL, the AFL, and all the other big stuff. And it's just uh, just a small twenty five bucks a month will get you a one screen subscription, which is all you need to watch it on your own. Every race, uh, every Formula One session, every bit of Sky Sports coverage uh, is live on Ko Sports. So, Harry, just for you and everyone else listening, um, this was a, a win to Max Verstappen <laughs> ahead of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Sergio Perez in fourth. A great result for Mercedes in fifth and sixth. We'll talk about it in great detail. Um, and a disappointing one for McLaren with Lando being crashed out by Pierre Gasly. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo failed to score points in 11th. Um, I've got to say, in all my uh, tipping and betting, happy to acknowledge that I do both uh, both paid and unpaid uh, <laughs> speculation on this, these races, um, I expected carnage. Um, uh, in, in one of the mm. tippings that I'm in, we have to pick how many DNFs there'll be. I put six because I assumed there would be carnage off the start. And I, I actually thought at some point there'd be some sort of spin that would almost block the track. Um, I was very wrong, Connor, very wrong. Mm. It turned out to be very much like a Melbourne kind of scenario where we expected so much hype and it failed to deliver until at least the last mm. 15 laps of the race. It was, yeah, quite quite uninspiring. And, it, and it, it worries me a little bit that, you know, we're going to these brand new places, 
like Miami, for example, and it's not delivering in that regard. It's a great spectacle for the fans out on the track and that, and it makes for great television, but mm. in terms of on-track action, it just really didn't live up to the hype that we were all expecting it to be. I mean, essentially what we had here was a fascinating play with um, a hard tyre strategy by the back of the pack and George Russell. Um, so obviously George Russell ha- uh, struggled in qualifying really for the first time this year and so opted for alternate strategy. And then you had your Ocons and Albons and Latifis on the hard tyres. And there was a point, I feel like maybe 15 laps in, where it was like the mediums were looking like they were going off. Uh, I think uh, one or two cars actually pitted quite early, I, I thought. Um, and we started to think maybe this hard tyre strategy is going to pay off. But it didn't really seem to do anything except for the fact that George essentially held on for a safety car, um, which at no point in the first 40 something laps did it look like we were going to get one because there was barely Connor any, any even sideways action. You know, there wasn't a lot of um, mistakes by drivers. So the safety car Very rare. really seemed unlikely for the majority of this race. Um, and I think that, made it seem like a real stretch for George to do anything with those hard tyres. Yeah, yeah, it could have actually not worked out in his favour had it not been for that incident between Lando Norris and Pierre Gasly. So if that didn't happen, it just would have made George, um, you know, sort of stick out like a sore thumb, really. But mm. thankfully for him, when that incident happened, it worked out to his benefit. Worked out to the benefit of quite a few other drivers as well. And look, I think um, Esteban... Uh, Ocon would be the other one because he started from the very back of yeah. the grid and finished eighth. So that's a great result for him. Daniel, unfortunately, he did, he was the longest runner on the medium tyres. He stayed out for an inordinate amount of time, you know, essentially hanging out for a safety car. And I'm pretty sure they pitted only because it was literally no much further he could go. Um, but, you know, it just feels annoying as an Aussie, one of those things. It's like, oh, five or ten or whatever, many more laps, he would have got the advantage of the safety car and, and had, a, had a huge, huge advantage there. But uh, you know, I, I think this track, and Harry, you can come in here because you hopefully watched a bit of practice and qualifying. Hey, and um, I got four laps, remember? Uh, yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I actually think this track was more impressive than I thought it would be. Um, when I look at it as a kind of circuit on, on a map, it just hmm. looks like long straights. And then you see some of the sim stuff, and we saw some F1 2022 game footage. I don't know. I just feel like there wasn't going to be passing opportunities, but it didn't disappoint overall. But I guess the race was the was the thing that was telling most about the the racetrack itself. Did you expect a, a, a tight race, Harry? I did. I did. I was not even so much from from quali as much as watching in practice and like you know a new track and your first little look and you're trying to do your mental working out what can happen here, what can they overtake here, are they going to crash here? But then clearly, you know, you realize going to the race like this that we have no freaking idea. Like, as I watched that thinking, yeah, these guys, I think they're wrong. I think there's actually going to be a couple of extra spots in this corner. And then, you know, clearly by the sounds of the race, those sort of things did not happen. But the other thing that surprised me was I kind of thought the highway over the track bit actually ended up looking quite cool. Whereas like when you first heard about it, Mm. you're like, that just sounds like really... Wow. I'm just going to stop you there, boys. And people listening to this might have already seen this, but they're coming out on the podium and instead of wearing Pirelli caps, black caps with Pirelli logo, they're wearing NFL helmets with Pirelli logos. It's kind of like, you remember the sombreros in Mexico? Oh my God. They are wearing... (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Literally, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc are on the podium with black helmets, 
the cage at the front kind of <laughs> dangling down and Max Verstappen comes onto the this is unbelievable. Max is handing out the hats now because they've all, all obviously gone, this is stupid. Um <laughs> anyway, it's that, that takes me to let's let's just move away from the race for a minute and let's talk about race week. Um this was hyped you know, so much. And I just get a sense yeah. now that we already have a feeling about how Vegas is going to be next year. This is mm. Liberty Meters, Media's big push, right? This is, holy crap, the show is very American. What do you mean? As in like it the is. race? I, I just think it's, no, no, the, the overall race week, Miami, the hype, the, even just oh, where yeah. they're putting the podium on, the driver parade thing they had on the, I think it was the Thursday or the Wednesday up on this yeah. podium which also plays homage to the NFL because there's an NFL statue in front of it. Um, just everything about this Miami race is glitz, glamour, and American showmanship, Harry. And it's it's just like they've lent into it so much more than they've ever done with Austin. Like mm. Austin, there's kind of like that bit of a Texas-y feel, which, you know, Daniel obviously loves and, and the drivers love, but... It's never like this week was so different in the sense of they're all on all the the talk shows. They got these freaking helmets here for the trophy. Like the, it's got that vibe of that like that America fake it till you make it type of thing as mm. well. Like literally with water, like the the harbor water that wasn't even yeah. water. Like there's all of that. And if the race was was good, I think that's great. Like add to it. It's got this real unique atmosphere about the week and stuff. But if that is the focus, then yeah, I don't know. Is that is that is this a good thing? Is that the sport we want? I think, Connor, that's the question, right? Um, I get that Liberty Media needs the US, it needs the revenue, it needs all these ticket prices, it needs all this stuff, right? And the corporate has been played. I read a lot about how this is a heavily corporate event, you know, not a lot of actual general admission seats compared. Um, and good on them, like make the money, you make your money back essentially. But Connor, we watched, well, two of us watched 40-odd laps of <laughs> just procession, DRS trains, yeah. and some decent DRS passing. But without that last safety car and the the kind of epic, you know, last 10 laps of, you know, close racing, but, you know, it didn't eventuate, What this would have been uh, a very tough weekend to show highlights of that weren't just mermaids on a, on a poolside. It just would have made for a little bit of cringeworthy television. I mean, okay, all the pre-event hype makes it for very, you know makes it to be a very exciting event. But if you can't deliver with the on-track stuff, then it, yeah, you're right. In making a highlights package of a race when there's not much action going on, uh, it, it makes for very tough editing and very tough viewing. It must be said. Mm. So, um. Yeah, I, I honestly thought within the first 15 laps, I'm thinking this is turning into a Melbourne kind of event. And I know we were excited. We were having a home Grand Prix again. We were expecting so much with the track changes and everything else. We were expecting a very similar vibe that, you know, maybe Melbourne, well, Miami could, you know, bring some of that Melbourne vibe. Yeah, there might be some more passing. It really didn't deliver. And I have to agree with Harry. I'm a bit concerned with Vegas next year. It might be the same kind of feel. It, so it might be what, great. What we're worried about is a massive, is, massive is show, true? Harry, but a really poor race because that track yeah. in, in Vegas looks what pretty lame. <laughs> what what I don't quite get, and if you if you know, please explain. Um, but when these tracks, right, they talk about like it, throughout the week, they were saying uh, they had 43 different tracks that were going to be potential for Miami. 
they ran them through simulators. They ran them through like, you know, literal car um, parking lots with cars to try and like work out which is going to be the best and the most exciting. Uh-huh. Like you, you've done that much work and that much research and testing on these tracks. How do you end up with this? I think my answer is um, the Formula One teams uh, building cars on a weekly basis to win and race and do things that a simulator I don't know, a simulator can only do so much when it doesn't know what's happened in the two weeks before this race, let alone like mm. the fact mm. that Red Bull chose a um, a speed setup and Ferrari chose a high downforce setup. Those two things alone make a make a big difference to this race because it meant that you know Max was able to pass Charles. I don't know. Would anyone have predicted that? I don't know. I just think there's some. I don't think you can really plot these things, and I think. A true analysis of motorsport, which this isn't, this is a sport, not a really, you know, like not motorsport in, in its truest form, would be to go look at all the racetracks in the world and work out which ones have the best passing, racing, you know what I mean? And then emulate those factors. So, isn't that how they did Circuit in the Americas? That wasn't, that wasn't that their whole, his and, whole and thing. Isn't that a better circuit yeah. for racing? Like, the, we, the bend is like watching it. The bend is based on all those like famous corners and stuff as but well. Yet, and it's also a great yet, track. And that's why Austin isn't the American Grand Prix anymore. It's just, you know, it's it's the US Grand Prix, but it's Miami and Las Vegas are more important mm. because there's more money, there's more hype, there's more glitz, there's more glam. Basically, what this company, Liberty and, and the sport generally trying to do is create Monaco more times in the year. And I, I'm not referring to the stupid boats and the harbour thing. I'm just referring to the celebrities on the grid and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I feel and, like and there's more, a, and, oh, and more maybe. Awkward, that, I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, you oh, got to look catering. at the, the grid walks. Yeah, grid, grid walks with Martin. I mean, that was just cringeworthy, but it was just like, I can't tear myself no, away from see, it. You know? What you're missing there is that for us, it's cringeworthy, worthy, but, you know, how many people are watching the grid walk, right? As a percentage of people they're trying to reach. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> if Venus Williams posts one photo on Instagram of her and Lewis Hamilton, the sport gets exposure. So I think for mm. Formula One, that's actually you know, the smart approach here. I found the gridwalk cringeworthy as hell. Like Pharrell Williams would be the best example of cringe because here's a bloke that was asked a simple question and he just had to talk about how, how he loves something and Lewis, his brother. And I was like, oh, mate, just just answer the question. Why are we why are we talking like this? Anyway, um, the bottom <laughs> line is, Harry, you didn't miss much. It's more right? like a Trev problem there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Harry, you didn't miss much. I think that's what we're saying here. Fernando Alonso... Fernando Alonso had a fascinating one. He made up some great ground off the he start. He did start. Um, <laughs> you contribute. noticed that, did you? Uh, <laughs> but but um, And he did okay, but he got penalised a couple of times. I think he might also get a second penalty, which could put him behind Daniel Ricciardo and p- could put Daniel into the points. And we say this as we record, like literally straight after the race, and I believe Fernando is being looked at for one other um, incident. So he may well get another penalty, and that could put him behind, and that push Albon up to, to ninth. Um, Connor, I mean, from a racing perspective, aside from the last seven laps, was there anything you saw that was worthy of of note? Worthy of note? Um, no, there really. we go. That I was think it. that was there it is. that was yeah. How do you feel? It's not much. Else. I mean, literally, you slept through the worst part of the Formula One season. <laughs> Look, I feel good. I feel rested. <laughs> I am um, <laughs> ready to start the week. More so than a normal Monday. So let's describe to you the thing you missed, which is uh, Pierre Gasly having a, a... Well, actually, I think it's interesting that he, he went wheel-to-wheel with uh, Fernando Alonso, uh, and then he had uh, went really wide, 
uh, into the hairpin. And as he was regaining traction, uh, Lando was right by his side. And I don't think he saw it. And I, I'm confident, Connor, he was on the radio at this moment because the, the, the yeah. audio really proves it. And he just, he, maybe he incrementally turned a touch and his left front hit Lando's right rear and knocked it off and spent Land, sent Lando spinning. It was, uh, it was a pretty epic little, uh, little spin and kind of not yeah. really Gasly's fault, Connor, but, you know, it was certainly him at fault. It was more more of a racing incident, really. But I think if you listen to uh, his audio, you can hear him say, oh, and he knew exactly as soon as he did, you know, when he said that, he knew he had touched Norris and that was mm. game over for Lando. So honestly, I, I'm quite surprised that Gasly didn't pit. I thought he might have retired the car after that incident, but he, I'm surprised he stayed out on the track and, can you t- and continued on. But um, What ended up happening I, to I'm him? I'm pretty certain. I think he did end up. Well, he's got a DNF on next to his name. He did end up retiring. He did end up putting the car into retirement. Seb then had a um, incident with um, Mick Schumacher, and Seb went like in the air. The car went airborne, and he didn't retire the car, which is fascinating. Um, Yeah, I I think um, interestingly though, in terms of racing, the last seven laps or so uh, were fascinating because out of the restart from the safety car, and I think you know Martin pointed to this most. Charles just had, he just had a new sense of enthusiasm. And I don't know whether he got the tyres up to speed better than Max, but man, he was pumped and Connor, he was right on Max's tail. Yeah, I think his tyres must have got a reprieve because personally, in my opinion, during that first stanza of the race, I think think Leclerc pushed his tyres a little too hard and that's when Mm. he lost a lot of ground to Max and Max was able to capitalise. But I think that safety car period allowed him to let his tyres recover, and we saw that real burst of speed once the, the race got back underway again. And I really thought that Leclerc, yeah, had the capability to retake the lead. Unfortunately, that didn't happen in his favour. And uh, Max Verstappen ended up getting faster slap and uh, and the win. Uh, Sergio, I thought, was was good for faster slap, not just because I had it in my tipping and my betting, but um, he, he had medium tyres at the end. He just couldn't get past Carlos. Um, sent it to uh, sent it down the inside and and bumped tires locked, and therefore you know basically was a second and a half behind and really couldn't make that back up. So, kind of I actually found I actually find the last ten laps disappointing for Sergio because he had softer tires he should have got past. Um, I think the team would look at that as being disappointing, don't you think, Connor? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Red Bull were looking really, really strong already in this stage of the of the World Championship. Ferrari obviously had the the early form, but I think they're just starting to struggle a little bit now. And Red Bull are, are capitalising on some of that misfortune. It's yeah. making for not only a drive a great drivers' championship already, but also a great constructors' championship, which we'll get into very shortly. But yeah, I think Red, uh, Red Bull have really picked up their act. They're now starting to get some some stability with their power units now, and Ferrari, I think, are just uh, a little bit behind the eight ball at this point. Well, let's unpack a bit of that strategy for the season. Uh, we do it all thanks to KO. And as I said, every single session of Formula One this year is live on KO. A KO Sports subscription is all you need. Uh, you can watch it on your mobile phone, your tablet, your uh, uh, Google TV, whatever you've got. KO is available. If you've got an Apple TV, you can watch four screens at the same time. It's a stunning way to watch sport. Um, Connor, Harry makes a good point about Red Bull mm. and this season. It is, and it is made during commentary. It's fascinating that. Actually, when Max finishes, he finishes first. Uh, so I wonder if the dominance of Ferrari in terms of points is actually really not indicative of Red Bull's pace and Red Bull's potential dominance on this championship, Harry. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I think just think in general that 
we're so early into this generation of car that things are going to just be going up and down for these teams for a while. Like even mm. not even just this year, but for years. Um, maybe I uh, yeah I, I think Ferrari seems to have not developed as much as Red Bull, but they're a little bit more ahead of Red Bull to begin with at the start of the year. And I think, you know, it'll probably swap around again at some point throughout the year and then back again. And then my Mercedes might work their, their stuff out and who knows. So, I think it's just all over the place at the moment. But but yeah, like you say, Red Bull definitely looking stronger and stronger as they go. Do you think, Connor, it's a track-dependent situation where we're obviously seeing that fav- certain tracks favor certain cars and that's where uh, Red Bull and Ferrari will actually alternate throughout the year? Yeah, I think that there's there's a part part uh, in favor of that. Um, obviously, Miami definitely suited Red Bull. Uh, I thought it actually for for most of the most of the weekend, I thought it was a very much a Ferrari thing. Ferrari were looking very very strong in practice. They were very strong in qualifying. They were very dominant, but they just can't seem to translate that into a race pace in the last couple of, uh, of events. So, I, I honestly think that Red Bull have really picked up their act, but. We who knows? We may even see Mercedes come back. Um, it was a great race by George, and Mercedes certainly started to pick up their their game a little bit. But they still have a lot of work to do with that car. I mean, that car is just—it's not behaving the way it should be. It's not a front runner. Let's face it. So you don't think that their upgrades did any help? Because it was meant to be a big I, weekend for them. It was meant it was, to be. It was meant yeah. to be. I look at qualifying. They they did all right in in FP three and then they went completely backwards. So well, I think it was the other way around. Yeah. I think uh, George George was doing very well in FP one and two, and yeah. he went backwards in FP three. And it what they didn't they weren't able to bring it back to the earlier earlier form for quality, and that's where George was let go essentially, and that cost him. But it didn't cost him in the end because of strategy. But do you reckon, boys, that actually Mercedes is batting above their average because of the the quality of their team and i say that yes very clearly team because yes things like strategy things like reliability things like even pit stops you know they're not they're not making simple mistakes it's actually a fundamental uh issue that they feel they seem very confident mm. harry they're gonna fix yeah and my favorite mm. theory about this is that the reason george russell is doing so well is that for so many years he's had to push a bad car you know, past its past what it can do, and that's what he's doing now, and why he's been better than Lewis. So, yeah, I definitely think that personnel side, but at the same time, it's the same personnel who who built the car that's not working for them. So, hmm. yeah, you can look at it both ways. Well, I'll throw this one at you. Um, uh, a couple of days ago, in fact, it was after quality, maybe. Um, I was called a racist uh, because of a tweet I made. Just let me read this out to you. I said George Russell consistently faster than Lewis Hamilton in twenty twenty two. Rather than assuming he's coming to terms with the uh, the car faster, let's just consider he's actually a far better driver. <laughs> now, can you believe? Where's the punchline? No, for your, I'm just, your racism. I know that's it. Uh, so that's I, I, it. Literally, literally, someone said I was racist. It's just the what? best ever. That's I mean that's that's just Lewis Hamilton fans, right? It's uh, it's. This 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 bloke goes. This has racial undertones all over. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but that so no, my observation there I mean, is that, and I think you part- has racial undertones. Yes, exactly. That's that's actually it's reverse racism. But anyway, yeah. let's not go into that into great detail. But to your yeah. point, Harry, the the fact that George, I actually believe in that theory that George has had to work harder as a driver, whereas Lewis hmm. has had brilliant machinery and he's a brilliant racer and so he hasn't actually had to bring out his his hardcore 
racer much. Yeah, and, yeah. and so now he's struggling to come with to terms with something that isn't just under him anymore. And now I'm not actually saying that George is a better driver. Deep down, I believe he may well be a better driver than Lewis Hamilton. Will he win seven world titles? No, because of the just the quality of the drivers in this field today. But you've got to say, George is absolutely shining, Connor. There's just no argument about that. Oh, he's he's proven to be over and above Lewis's uh, capabilities right now in a in a new set of regulations, and he's really shining. And nothing to take away from Lewis. We know he's a very good driver, but you've got to remember that in the last seven or eight years, he's had a teammate that he's basically had as a second fiddle. He's had mm. the command of the team for so long, and now that he's got a much younger driver, really showing his for in proper machinery, having you know earned his stripes in inferior machinery. Let's face it, he, he's putting up a really, really strong fight against Hamilton, and Hamilton, I don't think, likes it. And mm. I think we're going to see, as the season go on, goes on, whether Lewis has the capability to really take it up to George or if he's going to start acting immaturely. You know, well, a great well, Harry, sign of a driver is, is, is basically rising above that. Spot on. Harry, there were two two radio messages from Lewis uh, today that I found telling. The the first the first one I'll mention was at the end where he said strategies really played against us today. And mm. that's kind of a poor, poor observation for him because strategy played towards George. It didn't play against Lewis. Lewis did, Lewis did well. He finished well. George simply had an advantage because of that hard tyre strategy. That's simple. Um, and he also, earlier in the race, um, I'm thinking around the safety car, wasn't it, Connor? He said to his yep. engineers, um, they said, let us know if you want to come in. And he's like, it's up to you. Let me know. And they went, sure, stay out then. Whereas in the past, he'd be always like, come on, no, we're coming in. He would drive that. And so I found it fascinating that Lewis Hamilton took a back seat. And I don't know, Harry, whether you got any view on that, having not directly seen it. But I just think that is a, is a telling difference to Lewis's mentality. He definitely, mentally, definitely doesn't seem the same as he has in the last few years. But I honestly think for him, like you just touched on this before, it's it's an adjustment again. Like it's it's this stage in his career where it is this new car and the car is not quite what they hoped and he's had the best car possible for the last, you know, for the last eight years. Mm. Of course, he's, of course, he needs something to adjust to. And I think... I think, yeah, he's just, he's adjusting much slower. It's a bit of a shock to the system. And yeah, it's like, it's almost like his confidence isn't quite there as well. Like he, he doesn't have the conviction in what he's saying in these decisions, like, mm. like you're used to hearing. So it's, I find it really interesting to watch. Like I definitely don't think it's a, it's a talent shortage by any means. It's no. just, a, just getting his head around this situation he's not used to. Look, I think the fascinating thing here is there's some other really cool stuff happened. But before we talk about the teams, I just want to talk about one other driver. And we mentioned him in passing as a teammate. But Valtteri Bottas was in front of Lewis for so much of this race. He was in front of both Mercedes mm-hmm. uh, at the end until he just went a little wide, nearly hit the wall, backed out and let both Mercedes pass and ended up finished seventh. I reckon he would be gutted. I mean, a great result for the team seventh in reality, given Joe Guan Yu finished 20th and had to retire very early in the race. But such a gutting result for Valtteri given, I think he got so much hype in the paddock over the weekend, Connor, about you know yeah, being he faster. He would be head in hands today, I think, after that. Uh, he would know he, he could do better, but it would just be horrible to see them in front of you again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And 
I think that was probably one of the better races for Valtteri this season. Like, he's had some really good performances yeah. in a car that a lot of people thought was going to be subpar. He has really punched above his weight, and he's now proven to be a team leader. He's really been yeah. the shining light for Alfa Romeo this year. And, yeah, he would be a bit gutted, but still, that's points. He's in the yeah. you know he's in the top ten of the championship, and he's not that far off, uh, you know, the top five. So there's still a lot to play out. Uh, I think he will finish ahead of Lewis and, and George a couple of times this year if things go his way. And I think that'll be, it'll be like, you know, cop that Mercedes. You know, yeah. I've, got a, I've got a good car right now. I, uh, let's talk teams. Uh, obviously, a dominant performance by Red Bull and Ferrari this weekend, and we've talked about Mercedes. <clears throat> Alfa Romeo had a split result, but Alpine got eighth and ninth, depending on Fernando's final position, but let's just call them eighth and ninth on track, um, which is not a bad result. Fernando actually went a little bit backwards, but maintained broadly his position. Esteban had the benefit of the strategy, but Alex Albon and Williams score another point with a 10th place finish in his crazy red hair, Harry. That's a good outcome for Williams. Oh, it it is huge for them because it was I think that there's a slight improvement that is slowly happening that we were concerned about for for most of the races um this year so far and especially good for Alex. I think I still think that Alex is a very talented driver. He's just had a few moments and, and sort of thrown into the spotlight a little bit too early. So I'm I'm happy to see him get, you know, somewhat success with the team and I hope it continues. I think that's a really good point about being thrown in the spotlight. We're talking about young guys, um, and Max is young. Max Max had the same problem, and he still broadly does sometimes, but he's so much more mature. So if you look at Max Verstappen, yeah, exactly. Mm. Look at their racecraft today compared to their early years. They're literally maturing before our eyes. So I actually, I've way, I've I've switched a bit on Alex. I, I didn't think he deserved the drive back in the day, and I think I think he's proven that to me, but. I think he's now proving that he can be a Formula One driver, and I, I'm confident he'll retain that Williams seat for a year or so, depending on, as you mentioned last race, Harry, the ownership stuff. Connor Haas, though, would be disappointed with 15th and 16th because they had yeah. good pace most of the weekend. They had decent qualifying, but more importantly, they like they were passing McLarens. They were in this race. They had more race pace. So 15th and 16th would be disappointing to Haas, I think, by any measure, given they're the American team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's a home race for them. And and secondly, they were actually putting up a pretty strong fight, not just to McLaren, but to Aston Martin. And, and that's another team we've got to discuss about them because I'm shocked. If they had finished to the points, I'm thinking how the hell they deserved to even finish in the points given what happened before the race start. But they should have been in the points, Haas. They should have finished at least... Or get a couple of points. I was really keen for Schumacher to get his first points in Formula One, but he, he mm. basically blotted his own copybook by taking out Vettel. And uh, that I'm, I'm sure he'll get points, and the time will definitely come. But yeah, it's just he's I think still you're also going to talking to from Seb Vettel. <laughs> yeah, he'll get that. Yeah. He'll get that talking to, no doubt, that uh, paternal talk. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he still <laughs> remains one of two drivers in the World Championship yet to get points, and that the other Harry. one is uh, Nicholas Latifi. Harry, can we just talk about how good a phrase, turn a phrase, blotting the copybook is? And um, I mean, it's just uh, just blotting the old copybook, you know, Connor. That's a very old school very thing to Connor, say. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a Connorism. It's the first thing that came to my head. I no, do like it. I do like well it. Now, I'm um, add that to the uh, to the vocabulary, Connor. 
The circus leaves <laughs> the United States and heads back to Europe uh, in two weeks in Spain, and then the week following in Monaco. So uh, a couple of couple of solid weeks ahead, and therefore a couple of crazy late nights too. This was actually not a bad for some of us, um, not a bad time of day for a race <laughs> in reality. Some of us just went to bed and set an early alarm. Yeah, I don't know how anyone else stuffed that up, but you know, that's no what I did. Provide. Well, how did you start? How does that happen? I put what I do <laughs> is I put it too close to the start, and so I'm too like the race starts, and I'm like trying to keep myself awake because I'm no. just woken up half and hour beforehand. Then, okay, yeah, I know this hit half hour, and then twenty minutes out, another alarm just in case you fail. All right, yeah, and then I just collapse. Look, like, I don't realize. Help us out. Where are we at in the constructors' world championship, which has to be one of the tightest in some time? I know there's talking commentary. Crofty often has stats about you know drivers leading by this much, but I think in terms of constructors' titles, this may be one of the closest in a very long time. It is very, very close. Make it six points. The difference between Ferrari and Red Bull. Ferrari leading on wow. 157. Red Bull 151. That's how tight it is after five races of the World Championship. Mercedes are third on 95. They are quite considerably ahead of McLaren, who scored no points on 46. Alfa Romeo are starting to close in on McLaren. They're fifth on 31, but they're three ahead of Alpine on 28. Alfa Tauri on 16, just a point ahead of Haas on 15. Aston Martin on five and Williams on two. If you're Gunter and Gene, you're thinking... Holy crap, this is going well. I mean, we're, we're up two places in the World Championship. Uh, we're ahead of bloody Aston Martin because budget-wise, that would be a pretty big win, I, th- I would have thought, Harry, um, you know, for Haas to, yeah. to be ahead of Aston Martin. I mean, I, they all obviously think they're doing better every year, but I think that's, a, that's probably the story of the grid other than the tightness of it, don't you think, Harry? Oh, yeah. And the fact that, you know, for those smaller teams, those extra dollars that come out of those grid position oh, yeah. stuff mean so much mm. more than they do to Mercedes and Ferrari. Yeah. Um, and you think, you know, these guys have done so well with the budget they have for this season. If they get a little bit, a few more dollars from doing a bit better again, can we see even more improvements next year? Maybe. Um, the uh, Drivers' World Championship still headed by Charles Leclerc? Still headed by Charles Leclerc, but the gap has How? reduced quite a bit. 104 points Leclerc. 85 to Verstappen. So it's now 19 points the difference. It's basically a race win for a second place with fastest lap. Well, if you had to watch the race, you would have found out that um, it's been a long time since a driver's not not, uh, won the world championship (laughs) having had a 40-point lead. Um, But that's okay, Harry. Yeah, but there's also... (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) It's good. It's good. But but just just to take it literally with that comment... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's probably also not happened and why it could be likely to be able to happen this year and this is the number of races is much more than it True. has ever been and mm. and that is gonna be telling on this whole season this is uh, despite any um negativity around the, the the certain races that may be not as great as we think you gotta remember in a drive to survive sense which is what's driving this uh this is going to be a very long season and it's going to ebb and flow uh, even if uh, Red Bull run away with it, there's still going to be the stories of Mercedes and McLaren and others in the in the in the pits. So, as a sport, there's plenty of good stories out there, and there's a lot of individual stories as well. So, I think we, we've got that going for us. You know, George Russell, fourth in the drivers' world championship. Yeah. You know, hello, what the and, hell? That's and he's only remarkable. he's only he's only seven he's only seven behind Sergio. So Sergio is on sixty six. George, as you said, fourth. In, with 59 so he's only seven behind yeah, but he's, he's just 23 only six ahead of Lewis Hamilton. 
George Russell yeah. is 23 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton in the Drivers' World Championship. I mean, and Lando alone, Norris is, and and Lando's only a point behind Lewis. That's yeah. nuts. And then so, you got Valtteri in eighth. It's tight. This is the beautiful thing, you know. Uh, Valtteri Esteban, Kevin Magnussen, uh, Daniel Ricciardo. It's not really, you know, issue where they are back there, but the the stories around your Lewises and your top of the field are so exciting when it comes to this championship. And I think that's what's cool about it playing out for over such a long time. Um, boys, uh, Spain. I don't know. It's not phenomenally normally an amazing race, so it'll be interesting to see these cars at a traditional racetrack again, Harry. I wonder if it might actually be a half-decent race because yeah. of, compared to the other races this year in particular, because of testing in the sense of mm, the, guys are, the guys are familiar with this car at this track and Bahrain would have been the only other track that they would have had that familiarity with. So um, I think the, the other thing is, as a traditional race circuit, although not you know a modern race circuit, um, I actually think there's more of those centered areas. I think there's more of those um, wide turns, um, tight turns that drivers can, you know, late, late break. I, I just feel like with this ground effect, with this closer racing, Connor, we could be in for something exciting in Barcelona. Well, I hope so. Uh, if it doesn't deliver, then, you know, it's going to be another snore fest. We've, we've seen in previous years in Barcelona that hasn't really provided some of the entertainment. Uh, you know, there are some exceptions like Rosberg and Hamilton coming together yep. back in 2016. But other than that, it hasn't really provided the racing that we'd hope for. Hopefully, with all the experience that I've had in, from pre-season testing earlier in the year, we might actually see something decent. All right, boys. Thanks to KO Sports for supporting the FTM Formula 1 podcast. And it's just great that KO exists in our modern era because Harry Tucker can now sit, click a button, and watch the entire race from start That's to right. finish. Didn't need a set of VCR. Doesn't have to wait for a replay on TV. It's just there on your phone, your tablet, wherever you are. You can be working today. Just have it on as you work. I think you'll be able to get by. Um, just look out for a safety car and focus on the race at that point. Harry, that's our advice, okay? <laughs> All right, I'll let the boss know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, great race. Uh, thanks for your company. And, uh, yeah, just great times. I mean, it's just good to be talking Formula One. Harry, just what a time to be so alive. Negative, okay? What a time, what a time, to, be time to be alive. Totally um, time. See you in a couple of weeks for the uh, Spanish Formula One Grand Prix. Ciao.